Welcome to the HMO Property Podcast, where we connect, educate, and inspire the UK's HMO property community. So stop what you're doing, sit back, relax, and enjoy the story. What's up, HMO Nation, and welcome to another episode of the HMO Property Podcast. In this episode, we're interviewing successful HMO property investor, Lee Dumbarton. Lee is going to take us on his HMO property investment journey, including the ups, the downs, the highs, and the lows. Now, Lee's been investing in HMOs for some eight years now. He's completed over 50 HMO projects and currently houses 290 tenants. So let's jump straight in. Lee, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Glad to be here. Great to have you here. Before we dive into the details, Lee, tell us a bit about yourself and give us your background all the way up until the point that you started your HMO journey. Okay, great. So... I used to, well, I come from a sales background. Um, I used to work in the fitness industry um, with uh, sales products. Some of you may be familiar with the heart rate monitor brand, Polar Heart Rate. Uh, but I used to work with training and sales of that brand um, and used to be out and about dealing with lots of different people in the fitness industry. Uh, that led me to work for um, probably the most premier road cycling and triathlon company in, in London, based in Hampton Wick, Kingston. Um, so I worked with those guys for seven years, had an absolute ball, loved building relationships with people, uh, loved selling this high-end equipment. You know, we'd have people spending between five and 15,000 pounds on a road bike, carbon fiber titanium road bike. Um, and I, you know, my best customers, uh, well, my best client, I think spent over a hundred thousand pounds with me in wow. five years, uh, on cycling kits. So, um, you know, I really enjoyed fostering those relationships, had a ball. Um, but what that wasn't doing for me was allowing me to build better financial security. I was already right at the ceiling of what I could earn. Uh, the next nearest salesperson to me was always about 60% of what I would achieve in a month. Uh, so I was really smashing the numbers, having an absolute ball, but I had to make that really tough decision to, to change to a different industry and, and sort of create that financial security for myself. So I think the key thing for me is a lot of people can't wait to lose the day job. I was really reluctant to use, lose the digital because I loved what I did. So that, that, was a, that was a big thing for me. Yeah, some people uh, enter the HMO space thinking it's going to be the magic bullet and you're just going to flip a switch and cash flow is yeah. going to start coming in. Um, but actually, a lot, a lot of the successful people that we interview often do love their day job. They just realize the realities of it in the long term. Sure. Um, but a good, good story before. Um, what does... Uh, what does a hundred thousand pounds worth of road bike equipment look like? Yeah, I mean, so obviously, you know, when it's your thing, when it's what you're into, and you're in a privileged position of, of of earning good, you know, having great income and great disposable income, then you tend to have one road bike for for wet weather training, one for dry weather riding, um, and the kit list goes on. And of course, when the next high performance product comes out, you've just got to have it, you know, and. Uh, Power cranks at two and a half thousand pounds, you know, lighting for winter riding at six, seven hundred pounds. And, and 
yeah, I mean, look, it's hard to justify 100 grand on road bike kit, but if it's your thing and you've got the disposable income, then why not? And no doubt a hell of a lot of Lycra. And a lot of Lycra, exactly, yeah. <laughs> a lot, there's a, a lot of middle-aged men in Lycra in my old industry, but, uh, but yeah, it was good fun. Okay. Lee, tell us, how did you actually get into the world of HMO property investing? Yeah, great, great question. So I... Um, I, I, I was always interested in property. Um, my wife worked um, uh, and trained as in interior design, and she um, had a bathroom installation business. So she used to design bathrooms for high-end clients. Um, we lived in a flat uh, in Southfields, and we were fortunate enough that there was a little bit of equity in that flat, not a huge amount, but it was just something that we could start to do something with. Um, and we, so we knew we wanted to do something along the lines of property. And initially, thought uh, quite naively that we would that was just going to be through flipping properties. We'd just find something that we could make lovely, pull on my wife's skill set, turn it around and sell it. Um, the reality is it took a little bit longer to sort of fine tune what we wanted. And actually we did do what a lot of people do and we did get educated with a couple of the property training companies. Um, we had a terrible experience with one and a, and a much more grounded real world experience with the next um and i guess that just litter uh, you know touched the switch and, and, and got us going it got us out the starting blocks and got us some direction and some energy to get going basically which training company did you get the most out of the beneficial one yeah good question so i mean i i think they're now called legacy um but they were at the time were tigrant um so we did the whole the whole sort of typical you know rich dad thing and yeah. and there was look there were, i would say to anybody that's been on that journey or going on that journey there are huge elements of that that are really designed to get you in and, and and pull you in um and i think when you're in in that position of going through those training modules some of it makes great sense and some of it is just not for you but you've got to almost separate the wheat from the chaff and find your path i think yeah you got to kiss a lot of frogs sometimes you have you have great and um, was there anything holding you back in, you know, 2010, 2011 that, you know, really held you back from making that first investment? Um, so great question. So I, I don't, uh, so I don't think anything was holding us back. I think we were actively searching for the right deal. And I think the other thing that's just, sometimes when you go on these courses, it, it just makes you aware of more ways of solving a problem, more tools in your toolkit that you can utilize to monetize a deal that's on the table um so we were actively looking for a deal to to generate some capital to then go and invest in hmos um and i think um so my wife was on the phone to an agent um that she was friends with through bni or she wasn't bni it was a, a local version of a bni club um and the agent said do you know what i jack sorry i'm gonna have to call you back i've been trying to get hold of this landlord for ages and it's super super important when she called Jack back, Jack just asked the question, wow, that sounds really painful. What's going on there? And he said, oh, this landlord's a nightmare. He's rented his property out. He's gone to live in Dubai. He's defaulting on his mortgage payments because he's lost his job in Dubai. He can't come back from Dubai because he owes money. So they're holding him there. Um, and I've now got the mortgage company wanting to repossess. Mm -hmm. um, so that, so all of a sudden, you know, it's like, great, there's our opportunity. So we dug down and that was our opportunity to generating some capital, basically. Great stuff. Lee, tell us about your very first HMO property deal. 
Okay, so well, our very first deal was quite exciting. The market was very different then uh, to, 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 to today. It was a far less sophisticated HMO market. Um, pretty much any stock would rent. You just had to, it just had to be clean and it would rent. Um, but our first deal was 100 metres from South Wimbledon Tube Station. It, it was an ex-local authority townhouse that already uh, presented us the correct layout that we needed for an HMO. Uh, so it was a five bedroom. Um, the garage on the ground floor was converted very simply into an ensuite bedroom. Um, it had a kitchen living space and then two bedrooms on the first floor, two bedrooms on the second floor and a shared bathroom between those, those four rooms. Um, I think what really made it work for us was the fact it was just so close to a Northern Line tube station. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, to give you some sort of top line numbers on that one that got us going then we picked that property up for um 315,000 um and we opened the doors on the first night for viewings and we actually stopped taking details on who was coming because we just got so much interest and i i joke but we literally opened the front door to a queue on the path of people that wanted to come and look at this property um, so we rented all five rooms on the first night to five good working professionals. Um, we were achieving, uh, then I think 2011, we were achieving 3,300 a month as a, as a gross rental income off of those five rooms. Fantastic. And back in 2011, I guess you've probably seen a fair bit of growth, capital growth since then. Yes, so um, the property's recently been revalued at um, what was it about six 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 thirty, so it's it's, so it's doubled in value in in eight years. Fab, and giving you a great great cash flow in between. It's been awesome. It's an awesome property because it, it's a very simple property. It's not um, as lavish as some of those sort of co living spaces that we're all aspiring to create these days. But um, it's very well located, and it's it's a it's a real Ron Seal property. It does what it says on the tin. It's not it's not a wood chip style HMO, yeah. but it's not a flash co living space either. Keeping it simple, I like it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, Lee, tell me how has investing in HMOs changed your life since you started? Um, so, well, I, I guess so. I was living in a in a one bedroom flat in Southfields. Um, and we had a very modest combined income between my now wife, then girlfriend and I, um, and we didn't really have a route to create, uh, a, a better income and be, um, pots of cash, you know, so, so you know, capital, um, that, that we could use for other things. So, um, I mean, we, we have come a long way. We, we, we bought and sold several houses while we were just a couple. Um, and uh, that's allowed us to now move out into Surrey where we, you know, we live a, a reasonably comfortable life in a, a, you know, a, a modest attached house uh, in the Surrey Hills, which is a beautiful part of the world that I love. Um, and it's just afforded us a, a better income that we can use for other, for other things. Sounds pretty life changing to me. It, it is. I mean, you know, I'm not, um, you know, I'm not driving a Lamborghini. <laughs> I'm not, you know, I'm not living the life as it were, um, but I have a much more comfortable way of life than I had previously. Got it. And what's your favorite part of HMO property investing? The people, actually. Um, so, and that's actually a lot of people's least favorite part. And, and not because they're not people people, but it's just because we're all different, right? You know, 
dealing with people presents many challenges, uh, and especially when you put them under the same roof. So, um, but that's the bit that I really thrive on, and I, and I really thrive on, you know, if a problem does manifest itself, how I can talk that problem around with people and actually turn that negative into a positive. Um, don't get me wrong, I love dealing with the property, but then I also, went and the renovations, but then I also love working with the build teams. Um, so it, it always comes back to people for me. People and problem solving. Sounds like it, a man yeah. who's had a sales background to me. Exactly that, exactly that. And I'm not, you know, my sales background was always born out of relationship building and allowing people to make informed decisions. I've never been a, a sort of a pushy, double glazing type salesman. I, I didn't do my stint as a telephone sales or a double glazing salesman that everyone says you should do to be a good salesperson. I've, I've always just done it out of, you know, out of just problem solving for people really and letting them make informed choices. Lee, we've talked about the past. Before we yes. move on to the present, and your future plans in HMO property, let's take a minute to thank our sponsors. Are you looking for an effortless HMO mortgage experience? If that's a yes, there's only one place to go, www.thehmomortgagebroker.co.uk, the UK's number one specialist HMO mortgage broker. They're so specialized that they don't do anything else. HMO mortgages, HMO remortgages, and HMO bridging, that's it. They have access to every HMO lender out there and even some exclusive products not available to other brokers. With lightning fast service and A1 communication, they're easily the best HMO broker in town. So to experience HMO lending made easy, go to www.thehmomortgagebroker.co.uk today. Lee, fast forwarding to the present day. Tell us about your current HMO portfolio. Sure. So um, I now have a, a, a portfolio of um, five HMOs in Southwest London, um, five and six bed HMOs. Um, they all work really well. They're all in you know desirable postcode locations. Um, so I guess in London, I feel like I'm winning um, on the capital growth side. Um, and I get good returns. I get as good a returns as you can get in London. You can obviously get, you know, huger returns in the north or middle of the country that I'm possibly not seeing. But in terms of my cash return and my capital growth, um, you know, I'm really quite comfortable with that portfolio. And I'm also really comfortable with the quality of tenant and the um, and the sort of hassle factor involved um, with those tenants in, the, in that area. Um, but what I've also done over that time is I've started to work with other investors, um, started to work with a property fund, um, and basically overnight almost started to grow a property management business that was never my initial intention, if I'm honest. Um, I, I was that landlord that was running around with the toolbox, um, dealing with the, the repairs and dealing with the things that, uh, that need to be done. And I believed I was doing a very good job of looking after my tenants the reality is now I look back and realize that now I have training in a lot of legislation and, and training in a lot of what's happening in the industry. I realized that I was missing some things that I wasn't, you know, I, on the surface, I was giving very good service, but I wasn't doing everything by the book and I wasn't doing everything as, as, as well as I could be to protect me as the landlord and also the tenants. Um, so, and I was, but I was also very nervous about handing over my HMOs to the high street because I didn't feel like high street agencies were best place to serve my properties. Um, I felt like their model is very much let and forget. 
Um, my properties need a lot more management than that. So I grew a business model around helping landlords get the correct level of service and management in, in the HMO world. Great. What's it called? So, yes, yeah, so we have a business called Urban Share. Well, Urban Share is our sub-brand. Um, we work as Urban Home, which is our whole-of-market brand. Um, and, yeah, and then Urban Share is the house share brand that we're, we're best known for. Got it. So you've got five HMOs yourself, but you've helped. You've, you've done over 50 projects since 2011. So I you've have. helped a lot of different investors out, or is that all predominantly for the fund? No, so the fund is um, the fund that I work with has done about uh, twenty properties, and then I've worked with other investors. So I've got one guy I've worked with that I've done three HMOs for now. Another person that we've just literally done one for. Um, the, the, my level of input has varied through those projects. Some I've sourced the property, reno, you know, project managed the renovations, and then gone on to manage. There's been other deals where the landlord said, "I've got this cracking property, but I just don't know what to do with it," and then I've taken over. Um, so yeah, my, my involvement has varied, but it's typically involved renovating, licensing, building control, all, all the, all the sort of stuff that's involved with that. And then the ongoing management. Got it. And Lee, out of all the 50 projects that you've done, tell us about your single best HMO investment to date. Oof. Okay. Um, so uh well there's there's a few actually i'm just trying to think which is which one i can i'm i'm really quite proud to share with you um so in terms of the let me i'm going to can i show you two absolutely quick on two so let, let me give you a, a recent property that we started managing for an investor that we had no involvement in the refurb other than he picked my brains on a couple of things like key suites fire alarm systems and just the finer points of how to uh, of, of how to get the product right for that location um, but actually, he had an amazing build team, did the project himself, um, and uh, brought to the market a really beautiful co-living space, eight bedroom, eight bathroom, in uh, a Southwest 16 postcode that achieves a gross rent of seven, three a month um, out of that one property, which is a pretty, pretty, pretty nice rent, uh, rental income. Uh, he's got amazing tenants in there for him. So... We've got um, a junior banker, we've got someone, an HR manager for the government, um, school teacher, product analyst from ne the Netherlands. We've got some really, really good quality people living in that property. So I feel like the marriage of the product, the asking rents and, and, the, and the tenants has been, it's just great in that property. So we're, we're really quite pleased with that one. Uh, in terms of um, renovation work that we've done, um, and sort of the whole start to finish process. So I sourced um, a property that's, um, again, it was a three-story townhouse, but to maximize it, we literally took all the internal walls out, extended it, converted the garage, um, started to do some clever sort of yin and yang designs with back-to-back -back on suites to maximize on, um, on the efficiencies of routing plumbing, utilize, uh, utilization of space, getting natural light into the en-suites. Um, and it's, it's worked out really well. We've had that one now for three years. Um, I'm really proud to say, I think in three years, it's had literally like two or three days void on one room in three years. Wow. Um, and the rental that that has achieved is, uh, that's a six bed, uh, four en-suites, two sharing a bathroom, so that we've got the slightly cheaper rooms uh, in that property, which is always quite useful from a marketing perspective. And that one's like, 
perhaps achieving like 4,600 a month as a gross figure off of a six bed. Um, uh-huh. Yeah, so yeah, I, I've been really fortunate to work with some great landlords um, that really want to do it right, and that's afforded me the ability to, to, to work with them to create a nice product. Sounds sounds like a marriage made in heaven to me, you know? Yeah. The right, it, the right metrics. It, it really is. I, and it, again, it, it comes back to working with the right people. If you're, if you're not confident with the people you're working with and not confident you can deliver a great product it, because of the constraints they're putting on you, then it's, it makes life really tough, which is why I've worked hard to sort of, you know, keep, once I've got it, you know, the, the landlord that's comfortable with me and, and we're comfortable with each other to, to get them to go again and get them to go again and, and help them build that portfolio. Yeah, I guess it's just about mar- mar- marrying up two things, and that one of them is trust, and the second one is values. And once you hit those two um, at the same time, you know, life just becomes easy. Exactly that. Exactly that. Lee, tell us about one significant mistake you've made in your HMO journey or business yeah. that, by sharing, you might help others avoid. Okay. Well, again, <laughs> limiting me to one <laughs> is, uh, I mean, you know, we, you know, I think we've all made mistakes along the way, and I, and I certainly made my fair share. Um, so uh, I could tell you about a tenanting mistake. Uh, we, um, we put a guy into a property where the market had gone a little bit quiet over a period of six weeks. Um, we were trying to protect the landlord against the void. And um, in this particular instance, we ran the tenant past the landlord. The landlord was clean, clean, um, was really uh, wanting to occupy that void. And I think in my gut, I knew he wasn't the best fit for the property. Uh, but I let the need of the finances overrule the decision. And this guy moved in very quickly. Within two weeks, we had the girls in the property saying they were scared of him, that he... Um, would shout awkward comments in the night in his sleep that he would knock on females doors in the late hours um and we just knew we had to get shot but of course by this point he signed a six-month HT. uh well it signed a 12 months with a six-month break clause um so legally we are unable to move this tenant on but we have to act for the greater good of, of the other tenants so it really came down to us having to work with him and explain why his behaviours weren't suitable for that property um, and how we would work with him to help him move on and how it wouldn't hinder him in the future. And cut a long story short, we saved the scenario and we got rid of him and the other tenants remain in the property. But I think it, the valuable lesson out of that one was that in a house share environment, you, you can't put the finances ahead of the greater good of the property. Otherwise, I think it has the potential to have an even deeper effect on the finances when you get three or four notices in rather than just that one room void. That's a really good lesson. Uh, I'm intrigued. Give us, give us another. Sounds like you've got a, a few good learnings that <laughs> worth sharing. Um, so, okay. Um, we, uh, we, so I got quite, I got overconfident with an, um, a, uh, a, the HMO officer. So, um, and I think she was over relaxed with me because we, we, we understood where each other was coming from. So she came out to the first, I think, three, four HMOs that we'd done. Um, she was comfortable that we then knew what was expected uh, of us. And so she started getting a bit more relaxed with us and said, look, Lee, just get it done, get it tenanted, get the application in and I'll come out. 
And I was and I, I was quite taken back by that. I thought, well, that's that's very good of her. Um, so off we went and just cracked on with the next refurbishment, got it all done. She came in and inspected and said, but where's your emergency lighting on this floor because there's no borrowed light and where's this on here? And so all of a sudden, I'd, I'd created a little bit of additional spend by just getting a little bit blasé about her requirements. Um, so now I've, I've, I've learned that actually everything's laid out, mapped out. It goes over to them for approval, even if they're not doing a site visit because they're very time poor. Um, and I make sure that they are, they're, they're almost signed off on the spec before we before we get going. A, a good lesson, a good lesson that, and one that we have also had. So yeah, yeah. Good to hear <laughs> it's that, it's an easy one. And also the other thing is, you know, I, where I am, I'm Lambeth, Wandsworth, and Merton councils all have different requirements, um, and also they all have changing requirements. So even when a license comes up for renewal five years later. Um, they now have a different spin on things that you know they, they now want you to, to incorporate x and x and y into your your licensing requirements so makes perfect sense uh, yeah. a lot a lot of uh, a lot of licensing things are continuing to change in hmos so um yeah i mean being on top of it is is not it is the only option and especially sure. if you're dealing with multiple um multiple councils yeah you uh you 100 percent need to be on top of that sure and that, and that goes for all certification actually because as we know there's a lot of certification renewals and uh and as you start to scale it's, it's keeping on top of all those renewals and certificates and making sure you're always compliant so um yeah it's taken us a while to get to the stage where we're you know we, we've got it completely nailed through various software products but we're, we're, you know, we're there now Lee, tell us about your HMI portfolio plans for the next 12 months. Um, it's, a, it's a great question. So um, I'm um, absolutely uh, geared up and ready and my team is ready to, to work with more um, landlords that really want to know that they've got a property manager on side that, um, that can, A, has walked that path many times, B, has a really good feel for what, you know, what people want in this marketplace, uh, but maybe is just a little bit time uh, time poor, or doesn't don't have the systems in place, or the scale to put the systems in place to really effectively manage their properties. So my goal really is to continue to grow our business through working with amazing landlords that have the great aspirational landlords that want to really get going in that model. Um, we're also growing our business in the single let market, which is a far less labour intensive market, but also less lucrative. Um, and we're also working, um, uh, we're also looking to take on another development project this year as well for, for a turnover of capital. Got it. And apart from building the portfolio, is there anything else that you're up to in property that you'd like to share with HMO Nation? Um, great question. So anything else not in property at the moment? Um, I'm, so the rent to rent model uh, for me um, it doesn't quite sit as well with me. I'm not quite as comfortable with that model. Um, so I'm purely really focusing on building my business through managed stock um, and in the single let and in the multi-let world. Um, we're also, um, we help people with property acquisitions. So as I say, if you, come, if you come to us and tell us what you're trying to achieve, we can work out what fits your, your risk reward model and then help you scope out a plan to, to, to grow your, your, your income. Uh, so that's something we're doing more and more of. So we've got a part of a, a sub brand of my business is Urban Guide, which is the 
we're sort of guiding people through the process of getting getting going with the house share model. Um, and yeah, other than that, um, I'm, you know, I'm working with people that are, that are quite aggressively now scaling up their conversion business. Um, so uh, one thing that excites me this year is project managing a conversion of a old hospital, small hospital, mind you, in Surrey, um, into a five uh, two bedroom apartment property. Brilliant. Excellent. So lots Lee, going on. You've, got, Lee, you've got a lot going on. A lot going on. Uh, with that in mind, what advice would you give any current HMO investors, given what's going on in the markets in general? Yeah, I mean, obviously, there is there are some difficulties in the market now. It's it's, it's never harder to be an HMO landlord than it is. It's never been harder, I should say, to be an HMO landlord than it is today. Um, and obviously, there's higher taxations to consider, and 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 much more legislation to wade through to be compliant and legal and safe with your with your investment journey. So I am, um, you know, it is still profitable. Um, it is still you know a great vehicle, especially if you're investing in an area with with you know capital growth, which which can't really be factored into your numbers, but it it, it it's, it's a it's a lovely thing to to to, to get your hands on over a, a set period of time. Um, so I think the model it, it still works, it's still there. But the key thing for me is get get good advice. Don't trailblaze. Don't don't carve your own path. Um, you know, surround yourself with good people that have walked that path, done that journey, that you can bounce ideas off. There's some amazing online forums to bounce ideas around. Um, uh, so you know, just surround yourself by as many people as possible that are already doing that. And uh, I don't. Uh, don't cut corners. Don't cut corners on the finances. Don't cut corners on the refurb, um, because ultimately it will affect the desirability of your product in the long term, and so and, and and really will have a massive effect on your voids as well. Got it. And how about any HMO investors that are kind of just maybe thinking about leaving their jobs and are looking to get into HMO property investing for the very first time? What advice would you give them? Yeah, I mean, so the sort of traditional advice has always been replace your income. Um, so that you you can jump up jump out. I didn't do that. I'll be honest. Um, what I did was I flipped a property, um, which afforded me my income for a, for a number of months, where I could go and buy my first couple of HMOs. So I felt like I needed to feel the heat under my feet to get it going, um, rather than um, operate from a position of, of comfort. So I think it's really what fits your risk level. But what I would say is because there is so much to think about and so much involved that sometimes over analyzing can just paralyze you and it can stop you moving forwards. And actually the one thing you need to get going on your journey is momentum. So um, for me, it's, it's you know, do your diligence, um, get comfortable with what fits your risk and reward and your, your personal risk and reward model, and then just start taking action. Good, I like it. Before we sign off, Lee, We'd like you to recommend one great HMO resource or business book that you'd like to share. Then we'll let we'll ask you to let HMO Nation know how they can connect with you, and then we'll say goodbye. Sure. So um, HMO resource or model? Great question. Or, or book? Um, yeah, sh sure. So I, um, as I said, there are some great groups online. Um, there's uh, a guy who's uh, pretty popular with his investment model in uh, in Lincoln and, and, and in London, a guy called Rob Hunter, runs an amazing online forum. 
Um, there's the Rick Gannon online forum, which is there's a huge wealth of knowledge in there from the sheer volume of people that 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 operate within that forum. So you can really get some great ideas, skill swaps, people to look at floor plans, get you know advice on different situations. Um, so I think that they're great resources. I think if you need your hat, um, depending on your situation, if you're looking to go with a huge co-living space, then there are models out there like Platinum Property Partners who support you and really hold your hand through the whole process and you almost buy into a house share franchise with them um, or just align yourself with somebody um, that can work with you and, and, and ultimately guide you and, and, and educate you as you go. And and also don't don't take on board the things that you don't you know you don't need to know and don't want to know because you know I'm not an accountant so I don't really you know I don't get involved in my accounts I outsource that and so the, just do the bits of the journey that really interest you and outsource what's what's not interesting because otherwise that will cause you paralysis as well. Got it. And how about if HMO Nation want to connect with you? How can they do that? Yeah, brilliant. So I mean, look, I'm I'm you know Facebook uh, Facebook Messenger. I'm happy to share email address and telephone number and genuinely always happy to talk about people and property. So whether or not you think I could help you on your journey um, in some way or another, or you just want to pick my brains for some advice, um, you know, I'm, I'm a huge believer in reciprocity. So just, you know, just, just use me and contact me. And, uh, and if I can help, I certainly will. Perfect. Lee, thanks for sharing your journey. We salute you. Let's get an HMO high five and we'll look forward to seeing you again soon. Thank you very much. Thanks for joining us. If you've enjoyed this and want more informational, educational and inspirational HMO property content, then please hit the subscribe button and give us a like. See you next time.